Beer and Honey, the German football pod. Beer and Honey, the German football pod. Today, Julian Nagelsmann nails the referee after 10 men bind the 3-2 at Gladbach. Dortmund better Hertha to enter the title race proper. And we hail the defensive solidity of Schalke as Gelsenkirchen emerges as the biggest double-zero specialist since that new hipster pizzeria place. All of this and more in Beer and Honey. Well, welcome, dear listener. This is the latest edition of Beer and Honey, the German football pod with me, Raphael Honigstein. And me, Christoph Biermann. And we have lots to talk about. But before we begin, a quick reminder. Please do support us. We need... Every help we can get to keep this podcast going, best place to go to is steadyhq.com slash en slash beer and honey and become a fully paid up member of the Beer and Honey Supporters Club. We thank you in advance. Christoph, we have to start at the Borussia Park, the game of the week, a Bundesliga classic, which once again turned out a bit of a nightmare for Bayern. The fifth time they couldn't beat Borussia Mönchengladbach and what's worse, they actually lost 3-2. Before we talk about the big Bayern fallout from this game, a few words about Gladbach, a bit of an appreciation of what was uh, one of the best performances this season. What's going on with this uh, Borussia Mönchengladbach team? I mean, they they defeated Bayern. You said they have the, now they have this uh, fantastic record against them, especially against Julian Nagelsmann. They also defeated Leipzig 3-0 this season. 5-2, uh, their local rival Cologne, and they were defeating Borussia Dortmund 4-2 uh, shortly before the big break uh, this season. But they lost in Berlin, in Bochum, in Augsburg, and at home uh, to Mainz. So um, it, I think it's a bit, I don't know, is it depressing right now to be a, a Borussia Mönchengladbach supporter uh, where you can think, ah, a big Game, a big day, a big result. Um, you, you can all, almost expect it. Um, but but if, you, if you're playing against the minnows of the league, uh, your team always certainly will show some uh, disappointing or sometimes even dismal uh, performance. And um, Jonas Hoffmann was saying, against Bayern, we always have a bit Extra motivation, okay, that's true. I think for almost every player in the in the Bundesliga, but um, even more telling was um, what Daniel Farke, the Borussia Mönchengladbach coach, said: "We have a squad. Uh, we we have in our squad certain types of players who are not always made to close spaces in the highest tempo." So. Um, um, I, I don't know. It's um, I, I think it's it's uh, right now. Um, it's a bit of. Um, we should ask our our um, producer York, who is a bit Borussia Mönchengladbach, how frustrating it is to be a Borussia fan, or how rewarding because you can expect big games against big teams. It's um, it's strange. It's probably the strangest team in the Bundesliga. And that says a lot because we have a lot of strange teams in the Bundesliga, <laughs> including perhaps I would like to venture Bayern Munich themselves. What a strange team they are this season. Decent performance against PSG and then they go to Borussia Mönchengladbach and it was a bit shambolic, a bit chaotic. Okay, 
Things weren't helped by the fact that Dio Upamecano was sent off after 10 minutes that makes more things more difficult. But I think it was Pep Guardiola who once said, or at least sort of endorsed the view, that a team fully reveals itself when they're one man down. That we can really see how strong a team's identity and quality is. And if that is true, then what we saw just wasn't very convincing. Uh, Julian Nagelsmann went all in. He didn't bring on an extra defender, or not an extra, another defender when Upamecano was sent off, but pulled Kimmich back to play in a, a back three, which did result in an equalizer, a really good goal. But Bayern, even in that half, was so open and could have easily conceded more goals. It just didn't look like a mature performance. And that theme of immaturity that you could have picked up, then continued after the final whistle when Julian Nagelsmann went absolutely ballistic and started shouting at the referees in the mix zone and accusing them of being, well, how can we, how can we really translate this? Um, I, guess he was ex I guess he was accusing them of being soft and insincere but he said it in a way that was a bit strange uh, what was the literal translation Christoph? Weichgespültes um, Pack is the, the German expression that is not a Fußballdeutsch maybe it's now uh, entering the it's hardly Deutsch uh, let alone Fußballdeutsch but yeah, yeah. so what, what is it in English soft rinse pack or so but does it make any sense um, it's um, so so uh, To, to 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 guess that somebody is soft rinse um, uh, maybe shall give you the impression that he is not tough or clear or uh, secure in, in 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 what the person is is doing but yeah it, it's a bit strange and also pack i mean that's that's obvious um uh, an insult and uh, later on um he he kind of backed off from it uh, at first in the press conference but later on via Instagram because I think everybody had the impression um, uh, it was not enough of an apology uh, towards the referee and um, um, but, but to be fair I, I think um, it was a strange sending off for Upamecano in, uh, after eight minutes um, because he um, only slightly um, touched Uh, player's shoulder and and uh, when when he was crossing his way towards the goal so my impression was that's not a um that's not a foul and that's not a sending off i don't know how you saw it well i think it was probably the wrong decision but i think it was the right decision to stick with it mm -hmm. and what i mean by that is that i think tobias Welts was very Quick to show the red card. I think he could have probably shown a yellow because of the yeah, lack of severity of the contact. It was a minimal, minimally invasive uh, <laughs> action. But there was contact. You can just about imagine that it was enough to bring player down or enough to impede him enough to, uh, um, to uh, how is the definition, 
to deny an obvious goal-scoring opportunity. I think the problem that we have is that VAR has been used so often in Germany that there's now an expectation that the referee will go and have a second look for himself. Not for the original reason of there being a clear and obvious error, just of make it, to make a better decision. Now, you can say, look, we have VAR. Why not help the referee make a better decision? That's one view. The other view is that it's annoying everyone if the referee goes out too often and shows VAR gets involved too often. They should only really use it when there is an obvious and clear mistake. And I don't think you can say there is an obvious and clear mistake here. Um, it is maybe only a 20% or 25% red card rather than an 80 or 90% that you want. But I think actually within the context of VAR being used to often, it was the right decision not to go and look at it again. As painful as it might have been for those who have a sympathy for Bayern, I think that's that's the way it should be. Now, you can still say a better referee doesn't take the decision in the first place and we and we don't have that problem. My feeling, though, was, and of course this is um, merely a personal opinion, that this happening so early and Julian Nagelsmann getting so upset, like 90 minutes later, effectively, was a classic case of a manager trying to shift the discussion by having this outburst. Because Bayern still had a lot of time to win the game or to draw the game. I think a more mature performance, and then we go back to that immaturity, might just say, you know what, we're losing here, let's get a draw and let's go home. One point is fine, but no, they were very open, they were very disorganized at times, made it easier for Borussia Mönchengladbach, in my view. And then Nagelsmann either loses his temper because he feels the pressure or it's actually more deliberate. And my feeling it is it's more deliberate, but it's also quite transparent. And it wasn't well well done in any way. <laughs> it was deliberate or not, um, it was a strange, strange terminology and it didn't reflect well on, on Bayern. And this is the bigger, bigger story here. You could also argue that it's typical Bayern. Um, because uh, Uli Hoeneß famously was leading the Abteilung Attacke, that was a division attack or something uh, like like this. So uh, very often when Bayern was under pressure, under criticism, uh, Uli Hoeneß was lashing out to to to, to everybody uh, in the way, and and it fe felt a bit the same. Um, I, I agree with you, but in this case. It fired back on um, on Nagelsmann because uh, it, it wasn't convincing the case. It was it, yes, it looked a bit deliberately uh, made, and um, and and so the story is more. Uh, if you talk about immaturity here on on the pitch, it's also a kind of case of immaturity on the sideline. So we still have this only thirty five year old coach he, who who made a A stellar career in recent years is now uh, with one of the biggest clubs in the world. But um, sometimes, yes, he, he looks a bit too immature to to for, for this job, and um, and he he doesn't look like a typical Bayern coach. And 
and uh, a typical buy-in coach is, um, I think, with more experience and more... Uh, um, grandezza. Grandezza, yes. Uh, wouldn't have shrugged it off or laughed it off, but but it, he, he wouldn't be reacted um, more composed and more controlled. And that is the difference, I think. I, I agree with you. Somebody from Bayern would have lashed out against the referee and blamed the referee reflexively to just deflect from the other problems. But they would have made it in a way that people start discussing. Was it the right decision? Maybe it's right. Maybe the referee really. But Nagelsmann just chose language that was sort of insulting and strange. And therefore, the discussion shifted not from the performance to the referee, but from, from the performance to him, as you said. And that was totally counterproductive. And that's where the mistake was. Whether it was deliberate or not, it was just badly executed and very badly worded. And it does bring us back to that question whether Nagelsmann is actually fully in control of this team, fully in touch with his responsibilities as a Bayern manager. And the bigger question, I think this is where it gets interesting when you look at the table, which we have to mention at this point, uh, Bayern are still top, but only by virtue of their very good goal difference of plus 40 Of Borussia Dortmund and Union Berlin, who picked up points, but not as many points perhaps as we expected, but more of that in a second. They're both now on the same points as Bayern and only separated by goal difference as well. So here's my question, Christoph. Do you think Bayern will tolerate the possibility of coming second with Julian Nagelsmann and say, he's still learning, maybe we're playing well in the Champions League and the Cup as well, we have won 10 in a row and it's okay if you don't win 11. Maybe it's even good in a way, in a strange way. Or will that be seen as a reason to get rid of him? Um, I, I, I think the next weeks will show. Um, um, I think the, the second leg against PSG will be a, a, a very important mark to, to, to measure him also, not, not only Bayern, but uh, to measure him. And also in the in the weeks to come, um, I mean, Bayern is still by far uh, the strongest team in the Bundesliga. But you're right. Now we have a a, a we have a title race, a decent uh, title race, and uh, probably Union is not the the big contender, but Borussia Dortmund now looks like one, and. Um, Uh, I, I think I would be surprised. I would be hugely surprised if they would have let him go during the season. But but if the season, yeah. But if the season um, does not turn out um, uh, 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 properly, but it, it properly is a a week, too weak expression. Um, or satisfying or convincing. I, I think I think convincing uh, is is uh, convincingly is a, the right word because Julian Nagelsmann still have has to convince people that he is the right Bayern coach um, in uh, in the years to come. I mean, they they got him with the idea. That they got the most talented young player in, in the Bundesliga. They paid a manager. a manager in the in the Bundesliga. They 
um, paid a lot of money for him uh, to RB Leipzig. And um, so he, he looked like a solution for, for the future. And uh, uh, but but he also needs a present. Um, so um, yeah, it's um, uh, the the debate about him is astonishingly uh, astonishingly open. It certainly is. But one man's troubles are another man's pleasure, <laughs> and that's never been more true in the Bundesliga at the moment because Bayern's weakness has opened up a genuine title race, as you said, Christoph, and. Borussia Dortmund look as if they might actually take advantage. They've now won eight in a row after their 4-1 win on Sunday afternoon against Hertha. A win that perhaps looked slightly more convincing in terms of the result than the performance. But some of the goals, wow, wow, we were. Yeah, especially um, Karim Adeyemi did it again. Um, a counter attack where he was just um, running away and then delivered the uh, the ball to Daniel Mal. Unfortunately, injured himself in 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 this situation, and we we don't now uh, don't know exactly how long he will be out. Um, hopefully not for the second leg against Chelsea. Let's see. Um, but but you're right. Borussia Dortmund is. Maybe the most transformed team in the Bundesliga when you compare the first half of the season and the second, maybe together with Schalke. Uh, maybe we have a word about them later on. But um, they look solid now, but not in every uh, not in every situation because um, uh, they they still offered um, Hertha some good chances, um, but. They don't play always the most fantastic football, but but they 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 get get their results. And um, Edin Terzic has installed a stability in the team that is, yeah, I think su surprising most of the Borussia Dortmund uh, supporters even. Um, and you mentioned this. Um, Eight, um, eight games, eight wins in, in all three competitions. That is, um, yeah, you have to take them seriously. And Borussia Dortmund's supporters were, I, I think, singing for the first time in, in years. I don't know. Um, Deutscher Meister wird nur der BVB. Only Dortmund will become champion. And, um, it, it sounded like, real optimism and not like whistling in the dark or so. And why not? Why not be optimistic? Dortmund have looked have looked good going forward. Defensively, much improved for sure. And listen, if you can win games well without playing that well, that usually is, is not the, the worst quality to have if you're trying to, to win trophies. Dortmund have a lot of momentum at the moment. And with Bayern playing Union next week, whatever happens, they will have a Big shot at going first. Uh, talking of Union, they only managed a nil-nil draw against Schalke, but then by now Schalke are the nil-nil specialists. A fourth goalless draw in a row in the league. Has that ever happened before, Christoph? They should rename themselves from Schalke uh, 04 to Schalke 00 or nil-nil. Um, as I said, it's, it's also a team that... Um, turned round things in a way but but only in the defensive part of it um so it's it's uh, it's really difficult to to get goal chances uh, against them nowadays and um 
I was at the Alta Försterei yesterday and it was like, it, it was almost <laughs> uh, tiring to, to, to sit in the stand and watch it, um, not alone uh, playing it. It's um, uh, almost no goal chances. And, and you could see that um, Union was in between Uh, the two biggest matches in the history of the cup. They got a nil-nil at, at the Amsterdam Arena against Ajax um, on, on Thursday, and they will meet Ajax again the coming Thursday. And, and uh, it's, it's like it is. I mean, everybody was talking about Ajax and nobody, not the players or, or, or the manager or so, but, but everybody at the club was talking about Ajax and not, not about... Uh, And Schalke, and um, so uh, Union lacked a lot of precision and 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 tempo, and and so it was, yeah. I, honestly, it was terrible to watch. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and uh, what they were probably lacking was, um, and and here we are with some some fine Fußball Deutsch is. Learning Fußball Deutsch with beer and honey. Dosenöffner, Raphael. What on earth is a Dosenöffner? Dosenöffner is a can opener. And what that means is sort of the first person or moment, could be anything, to really score the goal and, and open up the game and open the door for yourself. Uh, no Dosenöffner at Schalke, who... Even though they play very differently, are sort of reminiscent of uh, Hoop Stevens Schalke, who, who was a famous uh, clean sheet fetishist. So uh, nostalgists will be happy with, with their performance. The problem is that those nil-nil draws are not really enough to lift them out of the bottom. Four unbeaten runs, but still six points adrift off the relegation playoff place, which is Bochum. Our friends from Bochum after that defeat by Freiburg at home. But will it be enough to stay up? Big, big question mark. They have to develop more offensive quality. And um, yeah, uh, probably it's too late, but, but, but let's see. But, but if we talk about a, um, a Dosenöffner, um, I was also at Bochum uh, playing against uh, Freiburg, the game you already mentioned, um, that Freiburg was winning 2-0. And, and in a way, I had the feeling that I've seen the, the same uh, game twice this weekend <laughs> because it was a lot of long balls. Um, two teams that uh, tried to, or at, I can say four teams uh, that uh, tried to prevent um, their opponents to to uh, play out from behind, um, playing instead, forcing them to play a lot of long balls and so on. And uh, but in the case of of Freiburg, they had the 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 can opener uh, when they were scoring as they like to do um, from a set piece after a corner, and then they were one nil up and uh, shortly before half time, and that helped uh, um, helped them a lot. And um, and I, I, actually, I was I was uh, thinking over the weekend about the style of football um, in the Bundesliga. Also, when you when you saw how um, Hertha played at Borussia Dortmund, that the smaller team or the f teams that are in the relegation fight, they 
they nowadays um, um, tend to not sit deep, but try to attack their opponents high up. And that leads to a certain uh, pattern in, in, in the game so that um, very often um, their opponents are forced to play long, long balls from, um, <clears throat> from behind. And then everybody is chasing the second or third ball. And so it's incredibly tough to play against these teams, but oof, is it entertaining? Is it fun to watch? I mean, I'm 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 um, used to many years of non-connoisseur football, but um, um, sometimes it's uh, it, it's 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 a bit uh, tough to watch. Also, yeah, I mean, there were some good games. In all fairness, uh, Leverkusen Mainz. on if you had a chance to see this on on Sunday evening that was highly entertaining and Mainz uh, sort of secretly stealthily climbing up the table with that win Leverkusen not with the consistency that we thought we might see from them to really challenge the European places they've fallen back to 10th place and of course they have that deficit to make up against Monaco in the Europa League as well they lost their game also 3-2 at home but but Mainz is is another example of one of these tough football teams uh, i think they had uh, 11 uh, yellow cards uh, in that game and um, and uh, so so probably mines is the most aggressive and I, i mean that in a positive way most aggressive uh, team in the bundesliga but also one where you wouldn't expect too much free flowing football um But yes, um, um, they. I think they even uh, already ninth now in the in the Bundesliga. So um, within the the range of of uh, means they have, that's a fantastic result by by Bo Svensson. Yeah, absolutely, and a very good result also for Bruno Labbadia, three 0 against Köln to give Stuttgart a bit of a breathing space uh, in that relegation battle. But we should also talk about the two teams involved in the Champions League this week after we gave extensive coverage to Dortmund and Bayern last. It will be Frankfurt taking on Napoli on Tuesday and then on Wednesday, Leipzig are hosting Manchester City. Now, Leipzig won 3-0 at Wolfsburg, which was a, a great result. And they're also still very much involved in the title race. Christoph, from what you've seen from Leipzig in recent weeks, how serious are they? And are they still your number one Bayern hunter, as you predicted at the beginning of the second half of the season? Probably not. Probably yes. But now with having Kunku back, I, I think a already very stable, high-class team uh, in the Bundesliga will get an extra special thing with uh, him. I think it will take take some time to get him in full form, but he is um, absolutely a player that makes a difference. And um, so, yes, I, t I take them very seriously as a um, uh, title contender. And um, I was just thinking about what they were lacking. I mean, they had, um, they had this, um, they lost at home to Union a week before. And um, there you could see that they, can also have difficulties um, playing against these tough, hard-fighting uh, teams in the Bundesliga. But 
Um, winning at, at Wolfsburg um, proved the opposite um, because um, I would also put put Wolfsburg in 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 that group of of teams and clubs with higher quality. Um, although their success story was not very sustainable when we look at their results in in, in recent weeks, uh, but but you you can can hear from that I'm 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 trying to sneak away from from the the question who will be uh, the uh, Bayern Jäger because actually now we have several. Um, but and uh, Leipzig belongs to them, um, uh, Borussia Dortmund, and not so much Union and Eintracht Frankfurt possibly even. But um, because um, they are now in fantastic form. Okay, we'll talk about Frankfurt in a second. But just to uh, get a quick one on Leipzig, in do they have a realistic chance against Manchester City over two legs, Gustav? This is a team that has often played really well in the Champions League. They won at home against Manchester United. They won against Atletico Madrid. They won against Real Madrid. They beat City in 2021 in the group stage at home. Can we, should we expect um, something from them? They have a, an outside chance. And, and they, they, this chance, I think, is, is very small. Um, I think it won't be easy for for Manchester City um, uh, because Leipzig brings a lot of qualities individually, tactically, organization, determination, and so on and and so on. But I think it won't be enough um, to 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 get through against Manchester City. Maybe um, they get a good result in 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 the first ma uh, in the first uh, leg, but um, I I don't see them going through. Okay, and what about Frankfurt? Do you see them going through against Napoli? Isn't Napoli right now one of the best teams in Europe? Or is it is a quality of Serie A uh, good enough to prove it? I mean, they, they've just um, they've only lost one game in Serie A this season, but they also in the Champions League only lost one game um, at Liverpool and um, uh, in Liverpool at the Anfield Road. Um, They show fantastic football, and and also I think they their style of football um, fits to what teams in the Bundesliga play. So also with this high high pressure and and um, and so um, for me they are favorites against uh, Frankfurt. I would even say that they are big favorites, but um, the outside outside chance that Frankfurt has is much bigger than uh, the one that uh, Leipzig has against uh, Manchester City. Well, I think Napoli are, are favorites, but Eintracht Frankfurt have shown us that they shouldn't be written off. Frankfurt, I think it's hard to say how, how good they really are in a European context because their group was so weak in the group stage and they kind of sneaked through. This one will be uh, a much more severe test. But of course, what we can say, um, judging them by their Europa League winning exploits of last season, is that they can they can pull off these results. They knocked out Barcelona. They beat West Ham. Of course, they, with a bit of luck, won the cup against Rangers in the final. And with the help of their superb home support, maybe... They can do it. They certainly look a very accomplished side 
in that uh, 2-0 win against Werder Bremen. They didn't do much going forward, but they were almost flawless at the back. I think Werder Bremen had hardly a shot at goal. And that's the hallmark of a well-coached team. And uh, we'll be back on Friday with a special edition of this uh, Beer and Honey podcast to look back at the performances, not just in the Champions League, but also in the Europa League, where Christoph will give us a first-hand account of Union's tussles with Ajax, uh, as he mentioned, the biggest game in Union's history. And what an occasion that would be at Alte Försterei. But that's all we've got time for this week. Thank you so much for listening, dear listener. Thank you so much for supporting us. Remember, you can and should really support us. We need your help uh, to keep going. Best place to go is to steadyhq.com slash en slash beer and honey and become a fully paid up member of the Beer and Honey Supporters Club. We thank you in advance. We thank you for tuning back in on Friday and to our regular show next Monday. Until then... I was Rafael Honigstein. I was Christoph Biermann. And we say bye-bye. Bye. Beer and Honey, the German football podcast. <laughs> <laughs>